0: Okay, Shavuot 5783. We have, like I said, back-to-back couple days this morning, um, today and tomorrow, to discuss a little bit about Shavuot. And so this morning, um, we'll kind of hit a few different things, of course, maybe just some basics about it, um, about Shavuot, and then a great tradition that ties in Mount Sinai with the Acts chapter 2 experience. And then we'll transition to maybe a little bit of, you know, today's life and today's world and what the spirit looks like, how it's manifested in different ways in different communities and be blessed and encouraged by that. The Torah states that all the men of Israel were commanded to make pilgrimage and worship Adonai on three festivals, right? The pilgrimage festivals, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. It's written a couple times in the Torah, Um, in Exodus. In the book of Shemot, it says three times in the year you are to celebrate a festival. For me, you are to observe the Feast of Matzot for seven days. You eat matzah, right? This is Passover. Also, you are to observe the Feast of the Harvest and the first fruits of your labors, right? This is Shavuot, that's where we're at. And then the Feast of the Ingathering at the end of the year. It's talking about Sukkot. Three times and all the year all your men are to appear before Adonai Elohim. Once again, in the book of Devarim, it again talks about the uh, pilgrimage festivals, of which Shavuot is a part of. Let's begin there this morning. Devarim, chapter 16, it's on page 189 in the Tree of Life version. Bibles you have in front of you. If you have a family version, family tree of life, family Bible like mine, it's on page 225. I know my brother David has one of those. It's nice. The font's a little larger and easier to read. Deuteronomy chapter 16. They're going to talk about the uh, just the The pilgrimage festivals, once again, it's a nice just way to begin talking about Shavuot. It says, uh, Devarim chapter 16, observe the month of Aviv and keep the Passover to Adonai your God. For in the month of Aviv, Aviv, Adonai your God brought you out from Egypt by night. You are to sacrifice the Passover offering to Adonai your God from the flock of the herd in the place Adonai chooses to make his name dwell. This is Jerusalem. You are not to eat hamets with it for seven days. You're to eat matzo with it, the bread of affliction, for you came out from the land of Egypt in haste. Do this so that all the days of your life you will remember the day when you came out from the land of Egypt. No hamet should be seen with you in all your territory for seven days, and none of the meat you sacrifice on the evening of the first day may be left overnight until morning. You may not sacrifice the Passover offering within any of your gates that Adonai your God is giving you. Rather, at the place Adonai your God chooses to make his name dwell, there you will sacrifice the Passover offering in the evening at sunset, the time of your coming out from Egypt. You are to cook and eat it at the place Adonai your God chooses. Then you will turn around in the morning and journey home. For six days you are to eat matzo. On the seventh day there is to be a solemn gathering for Adonai your God. On it, you are not to do no work. This is, of course, Passover, which is connected to what we are celebrating today. Because here is the connection, is the next verse. Seven weeks you are to count for yourself. From the time you begin to put the sickle from the standing grain, you'll begin to count seven weeks. Then you'll keep the feast of Shavuot to Adonai your God with a measure of a freewill offering from your hand which you are to give according to how Adonai your God blesses you. So you will rejoice before Adonai your God in the place Adonai your God chooses to make his name dwell. You, your son and daughter, slave and maid, Levite and outsider, orphan and widow in your midst. You you will remember that you were a slave in Egypt and you came, uh, and you are to take care and to do these statutes. Nice... uh, Just sort of basic um, understanding there of the pilgrimage festivals. Shavuot, of course, began at sundown last night. So this means roughly 2,000 years ago, our master Yeshua was in Jerusalem at the place that God places his name, at the temple fulfilling his duty to fulfill the mitzvah. It's a very profound connection we have, one where we observe the same festivals he did at the same times so many years later. Now, Shavuot, a harvest festival, was celebrated with uh, the first fruits, of course. The people would travel to Jerusalem, bake a couple loaves of bread, bring other offerings of fruit, um, and offer them there at the temple. It was very important for them to get there during these pilgrimage festivals. This is why you see Paul always, he was always trying to get back to Jerusalem for these things. It was very important for him. And I think it's important, as part of our discipleship walk in Yeshua, to have that uh, sense of importance in our life as well. Now, as David mentioned, beginning the, uh, uh, our service this morning, Christian tradition calls uh, this day Pentecost. And it's counted 50 days from Easter Sunday. see, they count the Omer like the Sadducees did. And it's a celebration of the events in Acts chapter 2, of course, the giving of the Holy Spirit. However, its origins are in the Torah. Tradition understands um, Shavuot as the anniversary of the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. Just have to read through Torah a little bit and do a little bit of math with their travelings and how long they spent here and there and how many weeks and it's not that hard to deduce it the rabbis of course have laid it all out and it does make good sense um, when you put you know that kind of math into the scriptures certainly as well within reason so Shavuot is uh, Understood as the anniversary of the giving of the Torah and Mount Sinai. Surely most of the disciples of the first century Jews would have known that and more traditional folklore of this holy day. There's an interesting connection here. Um, We read this a little bit more also this morning, the uh, Exodus chapter 19 and 20, the giving of the Torah. Let's move there for a moment. It's on page 75. You'll have to go backwards a little bit. And we're going to get a great connection here to Acts chapter 2. Many obvious connections, of course. The spirit being descended down upon Moshe and the elders and fire. And I mean, there's a lot of very obvious connections. But there's a really cool connection that's not so obvious. Exodus 19. Um, I'm going to begin reading in the 16th verse. In the morning of the third day, there's always a third day, isn't there? In the morning of the third day, there was thundering and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, and the blast of an exceedingly loud shofar. All the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the lowest part of the mountain. Now the entire Mount Sinai was in smoke, because Adonai had descended descended upon it in fire, the smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, the whole mountain quaked greatly, when the sound of the shofar grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with a thunderous sound. Right this is has to be one of the most crazy times in human history. And then the 10 words are given, as Adonai read or as David read for us in English and as Beth read for us out of the scroll in Hebrew this morning. Also, um, notably, chapter 20, verse 18, right after the Ten Commandments, and Beth read this part for us this morning because I was following along very closely. Chapter 20, verse 18 says in this version, it says, All the people witnessed the thundering and the lightning and the sound of the shofar and the smoking mountain. What's missed here a little bit is in the Hebrew... The word really means that they saw the thunder. The shorish of that word witnessed in this version. The wo- English word is witnessed, but there's a sh- the shorish of that word in the Hebrew is re'eh. It's resh aleph hay, and it can mean to understand or to witness. I suppose that is within the range of its meanings. But much of the time, it's understand uh, translated as see, like you see something with your eyeballs, and so. Literally in the Hebrew, it says, and the people saw the thundering and the lightning, which is a little bit odd wording. When the people, what the people experienced here is something that the sages have mused upon for thousands of years. Um, You kind of miss out on that when you don't get into the Hebrew part of it, you see, Um, because when it's written in the Torah that the people saw the thundering, that's sort of a clue from Adonai to draw your attention to this spot because that sentence doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you can't see thunder with your eyeballs. And so this is like a clue from Adonai to dig deeper into this. And so that's why the sages and um, many of the hazal, if you will, came up with so many stories that you read about in the Kumash and you read about in the Midrash. They're not making this stuff up out of thin air. They are musing on strange sentences in the Torah that don't make a whole lot of sense, like the people saw lightning. The unfortunate thing is, when we read this in the English translation, we don't get that clue from Adonai because the clue is sort of washed out a little bit with the wording in the English. So we've missed that. It's the beauty of the Hebrew language and kind of getting into that is you get into some more of these clues that are embedded right in the Hebrew language. And so out of that, um, the sages mused upon this for thousands of years. There was folklore such as anyone at Mount Sinai who was deaf or who was blind was instantly healed because in the Hebrew it says everyone saw and everyone heard. Um, It says that and this you can find this in the Talmud, the Ben Rusherabah. It's all over the place. Um, that little bits of fire came down from the mountain and rested upon every Israelite, and that the voice of Adonai, booming from the top of Mount Sinai, was actually um, spoken in every language of every nation of the world. This folklore sounds very familiar. These legends sound very familiar, and. Beth read this for us, Acts chapter 2. And the familiarity is apparent, Acts chapter 2. We read it this morning. I'll read it like this for those who are listening online. Happy Shavuot, wherever you are at. I hope you had a blessed Shavuot. Acts chapter 2 says, When the day of Shavuot had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and tongues like fire spreading out to them, and settled on each one of them, and they were filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues just as the Ruach enabled them to speak out. I would think most of us here or listening to this are very familiar with Acts chapter 2. And that sounds a lot like the folklore and the legends that the sages came up with. Now, whether the folklore or the legends is true is really beside the point. That's not the point of it at all. That doesn't even really matter. What does matter is that these legends were something the apostles and the early believers were well aware of. And so those in the upper room on that day would have found deep significance in the ancient connections that they had with their uh, spiritual experience that they just went through. That's the beauty. That is the genius of Adonai's Moedim, because he's God. That's why it's genius. Is all of God's appointed times, they're all very connected. They all have historical milestones that are attached to them, and they all have prophetic implications that will be realized in the future on these dates. So let's bring that to today's world a little bit. Talk a little bit, maybe tomorrow, about that. Talk about today's world a little bit, of course, as followers of Yeshua, right? We have that counselor. We have that spirit dwelling in us that was given during the Acts chapter 2 experience. While we await the kingdom, it is interesting to take take note of the spirit continuing to work in today's world. Um, I see it happening here, of course, but it is happening in many different places. For example, something I found interesting was the Asbury Revival. Something that happened back in February. I don't know if you have ever, ever heard of it. But there was a, uh, a revival at Asbury University, which is located in Kentucky. Tens of thousands of people went there over the period of two or three weeks. Much was talked about it. It was on TV quite a bit. I'd have to imagine all of us here had, uh, was aware of that. Lots of, Brought up lots of discussion. Some of it positive. Some of it, people weren't quite so sure about it. I think the positive almost always outweighs the negatives in these sort of situations. There was a move there that I don't think you can deny. Um, There are those, of course, quick to condemn workings and gifts of the Spirit. Many in certain uh, Protestant movements, they've written books and they hold conferences and all this condemning charismatics and Pentecostals for the way they express the spirit working in their lives, right? Obviously, those wired a little charismatic uh, are much freer to express spirit working in their lives, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. So some of the condemnation, I feel, just sounds a bit harsh to me, right? If we have that spirit living within us and what we heard I read this morning the prophecies from Joel. We should expect these things to be happening at some point, on some level. While we may not affirm, that's a fancy term that I don't use a lot. People like to affirm different things. (laughs) While we may not affirm to all the tenets of certain denominations or groups, we should at least recognize when a move of the Spirit is happening. We may not be wired here at Tree of Life for such a It's sort of a charismatic environment right but know that many in the messianic jewish movement are wired that way ever seen jonathan kahn in action i mean a large part of the messianic jewish movement is wired that way i was at a mja conference in orlando i can't remember 2017 2018 pre-covid and there's a time during one of the evening worship services a lot of people went up to the front it was a very spirit-filled moment something, you know, that uh, we're just not quite used to that expression here at Tree of Life. Again, a wide range of opinions about the topic, but I personally am the type to always extend the benefit of the doubt. My go-to source for charismatic and Pentecostal news is a guy by the name of Rod Saunders. He is a charismatic gentleman, he has a YouTube channel called Jew and Greek where he does apologetic videos for charismatic and Pentecostals, something not a lot of charismatic or Pentecostals really get into, but he does, and he has um, great balance and grace and mercy in his delivery. In one of his recent videos, he offers good balance when judging the works of the Spirit in others, and he cites 1 Thessalonians. Let's go there for a moment. 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 it's on page 1149 in the uh, Tree of Life pew Bible uh, David you're going to want to go to page 1327 if you have a family version 1149 in the pew this is First Thessalonians chapter 5 get some the heading here is instructions for community life in verse 12. I'm going to begin reading there. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to recognize those who work hard among you and are over you in the Lord and correct you and esteem them beyond all measure. In the love, uh, in love because of their work, keep shalom among yourselves, we urge you, brothers and sisters, correct the unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, help the weak. And be patient with everyone. It's great. Be patient with everyone. It's the greatest advice. See that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you and Messiah Yeshua. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic messages, but test all things and hold fast to what is good. Keep away from every kind of evil. So it says, don't quench the spirit and test things because sometimes maybe some things come out that somebody thought was from the spirit but might not quite have been from the spirit. We should assume the best. We should test these things and hold on to what is good. We don't necessarily need to be rejecting everything, but everything should be done in love lest we quench the spirit. I think about that uh, quite often about not quenching the spirit. really gives me pause and a lot of criticism that might be creeping into my mind. We're all in the process of learning and growing. This is some process, obviously, that never ends. So while many of us are in different places in this process, um, we have patience and mercy in areas that we might not fully understand or agree And we pray that others have mercy on us as well in areas that they do not fully understand or agree. And that's just having good balance in our spiritual life. The Spirit is alive and well, working in many places around the world in many different ways, bringing comfort and peace and understanding to people. God's been working on mankind since the beginning and has given these appointed times, these Moedim as sort of landmarks in history and as hope for the future restoration of this world, I will be praying for you, that you continue to seek the kingdom, be open to the Spirit to bring revelation to you, and I ask you to pray for me, that I may be doing the same thing. And I will close this morning with the ending of this epistle to Thessalonica. Continuing in verse 23, it says, Now may the God of Shalom, the God of peace himself, make you completely holy, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept complete, blameless, at the coming of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Faithful is the one who calls you and he will make it happen. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. Charge you under oath, I charge you under oath by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, be with you. Amen and amen. Uh, Shabbat or uh, Hag Shavuot Sameach.